right, good morning, Arkansas. Your morning show is on the radio. Good morning, Kelly Perry. Good morning, Brandon Baxter. Here we are today. It's Wednesday. It's February the 24th of 2021. Let's do this Wednesday thing, halfway done with the week. Mm -hmm. It's like the return to regular life. Yes, a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's still weird, though, because as I pulled up to the radio station, I realized there's still a mound of snow out there. Well, yeah, and I I went to uh, our comic book store last night, and I was having to clean up salt in what was like 60s, in the 60s. Yeah. You know, and I was like, wait a minute, this time last week, it was like 7 degrees. We still have snow in our backyard, too. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so weird. Yeah. It's kind of going away now, but what about all the dirty cars? Even though there are a lot of people going through the car washes. Mine's dirty, and it's bothering me. I hate it. Mine's terrible. Yeah. Like, it's awful. But I'm not going to go and spend the money now. Just to get it all messed up again? No way. Yeah. My wife went through a car wash a number of weeks ago. You know how much it was? Yes, one-time car wash. Because I used to think like five bucks was a lot of money. $14. More. She must have got the deluxe. They must have washed it by hand or something. Did she buy stock? I mean, she might have. (laughs) So I need to get a package deal on these car washes. Uh, Let's see here. Today, again, is, uh, what is it, February 24th of 2021. It is National Bartender Day, so we'll celebrate our favorite bartender. What I'm really needing now is a double shot of crown. Chase that disco ball around till I don't remember. Go until they cut me off. Wanna get a little lost in the noise, in the lights. Hey, bartender. Shout out to all you bartenders out there. It's also National Tortilla Chip Day. Mmm. And dude, the reason I love going to Mexican restaurants so much is because I know as soon as I sit down, I am indulging in chips and salsa. It's the best. Really, the rest of the meal isn't that important. If you have good chips and salsa and you get full on that, hey, the rest of it's just okay. That's true. And I bet you try to do that so you don't have to buy a meal. I'm like, cheaper meals. Give me a kid's meal. Although, tortilla chips, have you ever tried the ones with hint of lime? Oh my gosh, That's my favorite. They're amazing. My family doesn't like those, though. Oh, I love them. They have like some with like a chili type flake on it, too. And a hint of uh, jalapeno. Ooh. Hey, I tried the Ruffles, the Anthony Davis Ruffles the other day. They were, what was it, pickle jalapeno or something like ooh. that? Ooh. Was it good? Yeah, Leslie and Kyle are like, ooh. And of course, me, anything jalapeno, I'm all about it. Look up Anthony Davis Ruffles and see what it is. Okay. I think it was jalapeno pickle. Really? But when I think of that, that doesn't say, that doesn't it sound doesn't, like it's right. It doesn't really make sense. But I bought it for Kai because Anthony Davis, the basketball player, was on there, and um, his taste buds are Ruffles. different than mine. Ruffles, right, Anthony Davis, Ruffles. Hmm. They are clicking on it. Oh, here we go. It's gonna take forever. Lime and jalapeno. Lime and jalapeno, not pickles. Pickle, a little bit different. Close enough, though. Okay. So in a study of uh, Google Analytics, they were looking to see what the most popular uh, dip is for tortilla chips. Okay. And the number one overall with the most wins, 18 wins across the states, is salsa, the number one favorite dip. And that's number one in Arkansas. Do you like hot or mild? No, I want hot. I want to burn my face off. Yeah, I don't want that. Here's some other ones, though, and I thought these were kind of interesting. So if you look up at, uh, let's say, Missouri, we have people who listen in southeast Missouri, right? The number one dip for tortilla chips is guacamole. Hmm. So, and if I had to pick the two, golly, guacamole, I love it. And I might pick that over salsa. That's, ooh, but mixed, that's good, too. I never mix it. I don't like my food touching like that. If you're in Tennessee, the most popular is queso blanco, so the queso dip. Hmm. Okay. Is that the white queso dip? Yes, queso I, I guess blanco. So. 
Uh, ranch dip is number one in Mississippi. Louisiana picks artichoke dip, mm. which artichoke dip is good. It is good. But the number one in our state of Arkansas is salsa. So there you go. Mm. You can celebrate today National Tortilla Day. Let's throw one back on this day in country music with Brandon Baxter in the morning. So the year was 2010 and Josh Turner had the number one song in country music on this day. So baby, why don't we just dance down the hall, maybe straight up the stairs, bouncing off the wall, floating on air, baby. Why don't we just dance? Josh Turner, 11 years ago, number one. Baby, why don't you go put your best dress on? And those high heel shoes you love to lose as soon as the tunes come on. On second thought, just the way you are is already driving me crazy. So, baby, why don't we just dance down the hall? Straight up the stairs, bouncing off the wall, floating on air, baby. Why don't we just dance? I'll cut a rug. Cut rugs. Josh Turner this morning. A number one, 11 years ago today. Well, it might be me, but the way I see it, the whole wide world has gone crazy. So baby, why don't we just dance on the walls, floating on air, baby, baby, why don't we just dance? It's Josh Turner, why don't we just dance? It was number one on this day in 2010. in the morning. I get up and get moving. We appreciate you listening to us. One big, happy, dysfunctional family on a Wednesday morning. Good morning. (laughs) It's just what we do, Mm -hmm. right? Anyway, y'all, as always, Mm -hmm. Kelly Perry, well, she's got three words for you. Good morning, Arkansas. Brandon Baxter in the mornings. Gotcha gossip. Well, the biggest celebrity story is the story on Tiger Woods. And man, mm-hmm. if you've seen the photos of his vehicle after the accident he had. Uh, essentially, the story is Tiger Woods was involved in a serious car accident yesterday morning in Los Angeles. They say he's lucky to be alive at this point. They had to go in and get the jaws of life to remove him from the vehicle. Uh, they say that what they believe was happening was uh, sometime early in the 7 o'clock hour, Tiger Woods was Going at a rapid rate of speed. Stories are maybe he was late to a, a shoot they were doing, a video shoot. And uh, basically what happened was he ended up crossing some lines of traffic. He struck the median, uh, went across traffic, and then landed several several hundred feet from the road. Oh, my gosh. If you've seen the way the car landed and the fact that they had to use the what they call the jaws of life to extract him, uh, it's a really big story. Uh, They're saying that Tiger was wearing his seatbelt, and that could be what saved his life at this point. But they say it could take several weeks for them to figure out exactly what happened. As far as injuries, we know he suffered significant injuries to his right leg. Uh, They had to go and have emergency surgery for the trauma. And they had to actually put a rod into his lower right leg. So, 
Anyway, it's Man. a huge story. He was there doing that shoot, and they're thinking that maybe he was just running late. Mm. And, uh, you know, things happen. Yeah. That's why you don't want to travel too fast. But uh, best of luck and best wishes to Tiger Woods for the recovery. We'll follow that story yeah. as we hear more about it. A little bit lighter news. Uh, got you gossip on Chrissy Teigen a little over a month ago on the morning of the presidential inauguration. Chrissy was joking around on Twitter, Twitter and asked for a follow, writing, Hello, Joe Biden. I have been blocked by the president for four years. Can I please get a follow? <laughs> well, he followed her within 24 hours, yeah. and she was freaking out. Right. Well, she was the only person not affiliated with the White House to be followed by the president of the United States. So it was kind of a big deal. But she was immediately worried and tweeted, I should probably never tweet again because she didn't want to get in trouble from her tweets being her normal self. Oh, yeah. Right. So fast forward to today. Chrissy and President Joe Biden have parted ways on Twitter simply because of the pressure it put on her. So she (laughs) tweeted, quote, I have tweeted a handful of times since my treasured uh, president of the United States started following. In order for me to flourish as me, I must ask you to please, Lord, unfollow me. I love you. It's you. It's me. It's not you. It's me. Wow. So not long after, the account granted her wish, took back its follow, uh, and now she's basically free to be herself again, she thinks. That's funny. Yeah. Because I get it. She said she wouldn't tweet. <clears throat> she was scared to death to tweet. Every time I would get a follow from somebody who I was like, I thought, you know, you kind of want to impress them a little bit. I'm like, right. oh my gosh, should I tweet something that stupid? What if they see it? What if they think I'm an idiot and right. give me the unfollow, then I'll be hurt by that. Well, she felt the same way and she did it. <laughs> there you go. Got your gossip on Lucy Hale. It looks like uh, the Riverdale actress has a new boyfriend. And well, she's um, what? 31 and he's 51. Oh. Skeet Ulrich, who also is an actor with Riverdale, is now hmm. dating Lucy Hale. They were spotted out in California at a little kitchen where, of course, like all couples, they hold hands and then start kissing in front of the paparazzi. Right. We didn't want you to know about us, but we're going to interlock fingers and kiss. I can't tell you how many times I just go around town <laughs> kissing my wife in public. Just a normal thing just I do. Just so the paparazzi sees. Well, you know, just in case, right. you know, security yeah, totally. cameras, whatever. <laughs> but Lucy Hale, again, 31, dating someone 20 years older, her co-star, Skeet Ulrich. Got you gossip on Jennifer Aniston. Of course, she was the spoiled but loved Rachel Green on Friends from 1994 to 2004. Now, if you're a Friends fan, this is either going to be hard for you or it, it, it might ruin your date. Brandon, have you seen this yet? <clears throat> no, I've heard about it, so tell me about it. Okay, well, there's a viral TikTok going around that is freaking people out about Jennifer Aniston as Rachel Green on Friends because this TikTok user put together this video that basically exposes what they're saying. Jennifer has this vocal tick habit. Right. All right, so Jennifer appears to regularly make this throat-clearing sound at the start of every line, particularly when she's about to say a joke or finish a line or something like that, okay. when she would kind of come in with a zinger. So we're going to play it for you. Now, are you ready? Again, uh. this is Jennifer Aniston as Rachel Green on Friends. It's kind of been spliced together. All right, here, here we it go. is. Because I'm going to ruin your life. Jennifer Aniston has this sort of vocal tick that she does at the beginning of every single sentence that she starts (laughs) on any show that she's in. It's very specific and it's very hard to unsee once you notice it. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, <laughs> she does do that. But the thing is, I hope she responds because I, she's funny, like yeah. normally. So I can see her going, like starting something <clears throat> on Instagram, and being like, <clears throat> "So there's something going on." <clears throat> I don't know, but you can watch it. It's everywhere today. Just search Jennifer Aniston. And of course, every morning here on Brandon Baxter in the morning, we got you guys. Brandon Baxter in the morning. So a lot of people love buying stuff from IKEA. Right? Yes, I've been once. You've only been one time. Mm-hmm. I've, I have a catalog at my house, but I've never actually been to the store. But there's so much. Mm-hmm. It's like the old days of catalogs. We get the catalog in the mail, and you'd sit there for hours yep. reading the catalog. So IKEA is about to get into the business of tiny houses. Really? So if you remember, this is kind of a trend where people are downsizing and simplifying their life, and they're getting rid of clutter, and they 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 get rid of all the stuff they don't need, and they have a smaller space, right? It's minimalist, yeah. Yeah, and I kind of like the idea of it. I don't know if I could ever do it, especially with other people living with me, mm-hmm. but maybe if you're single, it's easier, right? So IKEA is about to start selling a 187-foot tiny house. You heard me right. It's 187 feet. And it has built-in furniture, like a small kitchen and a bathroom. And they're going to sell this for 47550 bucks. Hmm. So let's do the cost per foot on that. Okay. Because if you look at cost per foot in homes around Arkansas, it ranges anywhere from, you know, sometimes uh, as low as 80 bucks, maybe, maybe, you know, the average is 110 125 130 That's what it would cost on average. There's a big range there, but it depends on what you're going for. Okay. So let's do this. If we take 47,550 and we divide that by 187, the cost per foot is $254. Just a mere <laughs> wow. So it's it's more than double in some cases it might be triple the cost, right? But again, it's uh it's a much easier deal to maintain, easier to clean, less um, utilities. All that stuff. And they say the homes are delivered to your property, wherever you want the home to be. And it's delivered, set up, and ready to go. And it comes on top of a flatbed trailer so you can move your home. Really? Oh. So maybe you want to move off to a state like Texas where Mm -hmm. there's no state income tax. You just trail that sucker on down there and (laughs) you're set to go. Let me show you the picture. This is what it looks like. And it's cute on the outside. Yeah, it is. Looks like a little pool house, right? Mm -hmm. And on the inside, it's real cute. Like it's real trendy. Like if I if I dorm room almost if I had one of these right let's say let's say this is a previous life and I'm a single guy and I say hey come on over to the house I want to show you around oh. and showing you around is like literally taking one step in yeah hang on let let me get out so we can both fit yeah. look to the left look to the right that's my place but it's cute right it is cute 187 feet oh. don't you have somebody in your family who's a minimalist uh, yes actually my cousin lived in a tiny house for a little while Stephen. Is he out of it? He's out of it. Yeah. What He's, happened? Uh, just COVID and all the pandemic and just some stuff like that. But he loved it. He's going to do it again, but he just will. wasn't the right time. Didn't other members of your family think about doing that too? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Didn't our friends at Cobbles think about doing a tiny house? Well, they um, they are pretty much minimalists. They don't have a tiny house, but they they're not. They've gotten rid of a lot of stuff. Yeah, including their clothes. They're now nudists as well. <laughs> I don't think Brandon Baxter in the morning. In many situations, when you want to be better in life, you have to take the hardest step toward recovery. And that is taking a look at yourself in the mirror and saying, self, I can do better. I expect better from myself. 
So Kelly hates it when I do this, but sometimes I'm uh, not making eye contact with you. She'll tell me things, and then I'll say, "Let's talk about it." And she says, uh, "No, let's not talk about that." And I'm like, "No, if I if I tease it, tee it up, then basically she yeah. feels like she has to." I can't just sit here and say no. That makes for really bad yeah, right. morning radio. So at this point here, six fifty one, we're going to go into the confessional with Kelly. <laughs> oh gosh, this could be good. I hope y'all have a while. <laughs> These are her confessions. <laughs> These are my confessions. Just when I thought I said all I can say, my chick on the side says she got one. Well, that's different. Yeah, but that's anyway. a little different. <laughs> all right, so go ahead and confess. Okay. You're well, guilty. You asked me early this morning. We had said something about things that we cook for dinner, and I, I accidentally mentioned something to you that I did two nights in a row, and I'll, I'll say it to everyone. But I know, and especially... Girls, my females, y'all are going to be with me. Okay. You just have those days where you're just craving something, I don't know, salty or like food-wise, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, two nights well, in a row. What else would it be? Two nights in a row, I have had... Oh, this is really embarrassing. So this is your dinner or this is dessert? Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. It's Tell both the at the same time. <laughs> so it's dinner. <laughs> Yeah. It's not both at the same time. Well. This is your full meal. Yes. This is the full meal. A large French fry and a small Frosty. Mm. Two nights. That's dinner. <laughs> two nights in a row. And here's the thing. You're thinking, oh, that's so, you know, unhealthy. It wouldn't fill me up. I don't know what it was, but it was the best French mm-hmm. fries and Frosty I have had. And you know what, Brandon? What? It was so good. Tonight, I may go back. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, maybe not. But here's the deal that's that's crazy about it, right? Yeah. You could go somewhere and get a full meal and have, I don't know, sixteen or 1,700 calories. You probably had less calories doing <laughs> I that. I know. Like, there's probably zero nutritional value. No. but I, And I did try something. I what? have a friend that used to always want to get French fries and dip them in her Frosty. Uh-huh. And That's a deal. I, I went out on a limb last night, and I got a vanilla Frosty instead of Mm-mm. a chocolate Frosty. No, no I always gosh. get chocolate. Who gets vanilla? But I always get chocolate. Who and gets I, vanilla? I was feeling feisty, so I went so for it's vanilla? <laughs> plain vanilla, just because I haven't had that one. It was really good. And so I was like, I'm going to try to dip these fries in the vanilla uh, Frosty. And I, and I tried it, but I didn't like it. You didn't? No. I think the chocolate. I think you have to do that with the chocolate. Okay. Well, I don't think I'll it's the it vanilla tonight. <laughs> I don't think that's it. So anyway. we're hooked. Kai's hooked on uh, this one place that does burgers, right? And so I'm like, Kai can make this. I can make that. No, Dad. No, Dad. No, mm-hmm. Dad. Because Leslie's been at the hospital with her grandmother, right? So it's like it's up to me and him. Yep. We're fending for ourselves. And I know I can either stay in the kitchen and cook for 45 minutes, or I can just run through a drive-through. Exactly. So what do you, what do you think I did? Drive-through. Uh-huh. So I eat this. I got fired up, too, because I went up there, and I'm like, I need to double, you know, because I'm, I'm a growing boy. And when I got to the window, they said, this is a, you know, Kai's combo, and then the single, I said, oh, no, that's a double. <laughs> that's not how you acted. Though. No, I, I, was, I was like, no, nah, that's a double. <laughs> and the girl's like, oh, let me go change it. So she says, I'll be right back. She but goes, you felt bad, didn't you? Well, yeah, she goes around the corner, and she tells him, hey, put a double in there, not the single. I get home. Son of a gun, it is a single. No. And I considered going back. I, I get it, though, because when you really, really want something like what you wanted yeah. and you don't get it, I know. There's a big difference in the amount of food. 
in a single and a double. Yeah, and you can check to see, okay, there's there's my hamburger. I got it. But when you get home and you realize that that second patty isn't there. Right. What is happening? And I mean, I guess I could have opened the hamburger, but we had the clarification moment. You know right. what I'm saying? Who actually <laughs> opens up their food? Yeah, no. Half the time I, I don't even check it. Right. I'll check it from now on. I know. So then last night I felt bad because I ate so bad. And I was watching the Buff Dudes on YouTube. No. <laughs> so what are you going to eat today? Uh, meal prepping. Because <laughs> everybody nice. starts on a Wednesday, right? Of course, yeah. Anyway, these, I guess, are our confessions. Brandon Baxter in the morning. One of the good ones is coming up here just after 7 o'clock, Dr. Shane Spites. We're going to talk COVID numbers in Arkansas, things that are changing as far as vaccinations and all of that. Dr. Spites is the dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine. He is one of the good ones. And we'll talk to him just after 7 o'clock this morning, hopefully answering so many questions that we all have about COVID-19. I know this sounds crazy. Believe me, I know it. It's crazy. That sounds kind of crazy. You must be crazy. And people are crazy. So there's a 39-year-old woman named Kenyetta who lives in Jacksonville, Florida, and she robbed a bank a couple of mornings ago in an electric wheelchair. What? Now, I can't even imagine what circumstances led to this woman committing this crime, but she had to know it wasn't going to work, I would think. So she went to the bank and, and tried to withdraw money. Well, when it didn't work, she got upset and she robbed the place. Mm. She didn't show the teller a weapon, but they still gave her $100. Then she drove off in her wheelchair. Now, there's no word on why she's in the wheelchair, but really, it wasn't a good getaway vehicle, and the police were able to catch her pretty quickly while she was arrested for robbery and possession of drug paraphernalia. But speaking of trying to rob a bank, there was a man in court for bank robbery. After three weeks of trial, the judge says to him, you know what? We find you not guilty. Wow. Then the guy replies, well, does this mean I get to keep the money? (laughs) And there's even more proof that people are crazy. Brandon Baxter in the morning. All right, so the debate is on, and I wanted to go and take a look at my poll standing Mm -hmm. and see how it looks. I have one as well. You do? I do. uh... So we're looking at who is cuter. Is it Gizmo? Or Baby Yoda. Uh-huh. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be real honest. I am very disappointed yeah. in so many of you. <laughs> Brandon is upset. But, okay, wait. What's your what's what's your percentages? Baby Yoda? Uh-huh. 77%. Okay. Gizmo, only 23%. Oh, mine's higher than yours. What you got? Gizmo, 30%. Yeah. Baby Yoda, 70 I can't believe it. I look at this and I'm like, there's no way. That- Here's what you're going to see, though. I bet if you go back and you mm-hmm. see who voted, everybody that is going to be maybe 32 and up is okay. going to pick who? Who do you think they're going to pick? Gizmo. And everybody under that age it's gonna be that probably hasn't seen it is going to pick who? It's going to be raw. Oh, he's so hurt, guys. Please go vote for Gizmo. No, I'm looking through and blocking everybody who voted. <laughs> you are not. <laughs> I'm going to DM every one of uh-huh. these people and say, what is wrong with you? Anyway, it's up on my Instagram. It's a story if you want to go and weigh in on it. All you got to do is watch The Mandalorian and I you'll mean, understand. I think Baby Yoda is cute, but it's a matter of who's cuter. What Gizmo's makes him cuter. cuter? What makes him cuter? The fur and the fact that he looks like a little cuddly puppy dog. Well, Yoda has like little hairs. Mm. He should go get waxed. 
Anyway, <laughs> on Instagram, on my story, it's Just Brandon Baxter baby. in the morning. It's also up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Brandon Baxter in the morning. And if you're only on Twitter, you can find it on Twitter. It's Brandon on BBITM. Brandon Baxter in the morning. So do you remember back when we were younger how like the Rubik's Cube was a big deal? Yes. Like you had a light bright, you had Candyland, you had a Rubik's Cube. All three. Yeah. Or Battleship. Yeah. Those different games like mm-hmm. that. So Rubik's Cube has come up with a new way uh, to be connected because everything is so different now, right? And we want ways that we can win and there's cheat books. And do you remember strategy guides back I in the do. day? And I guess that's old school mm-hmm. now. People just watch video game tutorials. But Rubik's Cube's about to put out what they call the Connected Cube. And what you do is you have the Rubik's Cube, but it's connected to an app on your phone. And the app teaches you how to solve the Rubik's Cube. That's cool. And it walks you through all of the steps, which then would make it easier for you to kind of figure out how to do that on your own. And then you can impress people at parties because I'm telling you, whenever I go out, I think if I took out a Rubik's Cube, (laughs) girls would be going nuts for me. (laughs) The party trick. Yeah. Like he he might have big muscles, but I can do the Rubik's. Right. Did you see the way Brandon worked that Rubik's Cube? That is, I think, what would do it. Yeah, I think you're right. So here's the deal, though. The Rubik's Connected Cube is Uh going to cost about 60 bucks. Oh, yeah, you're out. But it <laughs> But if anybody can lend me theirs <laughs> once you beat it, then I can figure it out. Brandon Baxter in the morning. All right, good morning, everybody. Thanks for having us on a beautiful day across Arkansas today. So we're excited about that. It's going to cool off by tomorrow. So enjoy today. And y'all, as always, Kelly Perry, well, she's got three words for you. Good morning, Arkansas! This is Country Music News on Brandon Baxter in the Morning. All right, so Brandon, it's been a second since we've been able to say this. Taylor Swift is sitting at the top of the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart, wow. and it's all thanks to her re-recorded version of Love Story. Yes. Now, in case you haven't been following this for some reason, we should let you know Taylor redid the songs, a a lot of her songs, and she's in the process of re-recording a lot of her early albums because she's upset with a guy named Scooter Braun who bought the rights to that album. So she's re-recorded everything. The part that's also significant is both of her versions reached number one on that chart, which makes her only the second person to accomplish that. The other person... Dolly Parton, and she did a, a chart topper on in 1974 and 1982 with this song right here. So number one, eight years apart. Yeah. That's crazy. So her, Taylor Swift's new version of the album called Fearless, Taylor's version, will be out April 9th. There you go. Hey, if you're looking for concerts, there is good news. Another concert has been added to Billy Bob's Texas. Now, Billy Bob's is in Fort Worth, which, I mean, you can probably get there in, you know, seven or eight hours. So if you're like really crazy about country concerts, we told you last week that Miranda Lambert was playing Billy Bob's. And now it's been announced that Thomas Rhett is headed there as well. So Thomas shares on Twitter. He says, man, it feels so good to share this. 
Shows will be limited capacity and socially distanced and strict COVID protocols in place. But tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. Central or download what they call the Home Team app for access to the pre-sale, which is happening on Thursday. Uh, The shows are coming up in May, May 6th, 7th, and 8th. Fort Worth, Texas, Billy Bob's, Texas, if you want to be there to see Thomas Ratz. Everybody got a small town anthem. Everybody got a story to tell. Everybody got a highway. Everybody been through a little hell. Find out more about that. Get all the information on the Brandon Baxter in the morning blog today. So Kane Brown just put out the sweetest video of his little girl, Kingsley, who's going to be two in October. I didn't realize she was so old. I feel like they just had her. But when you see this video, you're going to want to watch it several times. In the video, Kane pretends to fall down while he's chasing a ball. And Kingsley can hardly breathe. She is laughing so hard. So Kane keeps doing it over and over. She has this huge belly laugh. Here's Mm -hmm. what it sounds like. Oh my gosh, I love, I miss that. I know, I do, I do too. So if you want to see it, just look on Instagram and search Kane Brown. There you go. And a big congratulations goes out to Luke Combs, who has reached number one yet again. Wow. I mean, this dude has hit after hit. And Luke took to his social media to thank radio and the fans for the support of Better Together. What's up, guys? Luke here. I just wanted to send a huge, mega huge shout out to Country Radio, to the fans. Just had my 10th number one as an artist, which is incredibly hard to believe, especially looking like this. But seriously, you know, Better Together is a song that's really near and dear to my life personally and to the fans. Thank you so much again for for loving what we do. And I really can't wait to get out there on the road and play all these songs for you guys and and come visit y'all at the stations. And I'm just looking forward to getting back to it. I love y'all. Thank you. Some things just go better together and probably always will like a cup of coffee and a sunrise. Sunday drives and time to kill. What's the point of this old guitar If it ain't got no strings Or pouring your heart into a song That you ain't gonna sing Another number one It's a match made up in heaven Like good old boys and beer And me as long as you're right here Congratulations to Luke Combs That's your country music news On Arkansas's morning show Brandon Baxter in the morning. And this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club, which is powered by Families, Inc. And as we've mentioned for the last little bit, we have one of the good ones on the phone with us this morning. He is the dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine at Arkansas State University. He is also the advisor for the city of Jonesboro on all things COVID-19. Welcome back to the show, our buddy, Dr. Shane Spites. Good, Good to be back, Brandon. Good to be back. Hey man, hope you guys are hope you guys are making it okay after last week. We've we've survived yeah. a little bit. We got we got here Monday and there was so much equipment in the building from trying to dry up all the stuff from our pipe bursting last week. It was actually eighty five degrees in the building. <laughs> 
Shane, the window was sweating in the studio. Yeah, we were in a sauna. So, did you survive it okay? No, we did. We did. We had to suspend classes. You know, we were can't really can't really stop medical school, and so we (laughs) but we had to suspend um, our some of the in person labs that we had. So we'll have to move those and make those up at a later date. So um, can't get away with not doing that stuff. So it did kind of throw us off a little bit. We're back on track now, though. How amazing is it? And I know there's probably young kids who are going to hear this who are, who don't think it's amazing. But the fact that we have so quickly been able to transition into virtual school and stuff like that over the course of the last year, like it's really remarkable because back when we were younger, if there was snow on the ground or if there was some reason the school was was called off, that day was lost. It was a party. I mean, yeah, it was a party, <laughs> but the, the education day was lost. Right, right. And now it's like, no, y'all still have to do your work. Oh, yeah. And I think there's, I think there's pros and cons to that. And I think, you know, to be honest with you, kids need a snow day. Adults need a snow day sometimes. So, mm-hmm. uh, right. so a little bit of that was missed. But, but you're right. I mean, now that everything is there on Zoom or GoToMeeting or whatever, um, you know, you can work really anywhere at any time as long as you have an Internet connection. Yeah, it's crazy. We had Kelly in all last week. She was on the show via Zoom. Mm-hmm. So. It's just wild what technology allows us to do. I want to jump in and talk to you about the the stuff we're seeing with COVID-19. Obviously, it's the reason that uh, you know we've had this great connection with you over the course of the last year is because you've been the person we could turn to who could give us great information and really, I don't want to say dumb it down to us, but I mean, you make it make sense and yeah. you speak in terms that we understand. And I think that's so important as... Everybody, the the one universal is COVID nineteen and the concern, and you've you've helped us so much through this. So I wanted to talk to you about you know what we're hearing. Of course, the other day we had the the number, the death threshold of five hundred thousand people lost, right? Um, and that's awful. And you know the flags have been lowered because of that. Five hundred thousand was that a number that was was predicted early? Did we think we would get to that point, or did this thing just get worse than we thought? You know, it's um. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's interesting. The numbers were kind of all over the map. And early on, there you heard these real high numbers, like you know millions, and then it started dropping down. Then we, as we kind of figured out what the virus was going to be like, I remember Fauci and at that time Deborah Burks were saying we could see as many as two hundred and forty thousand deaths in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, now here we are at double that. Um, and so, I think it depends on who you were looking at in terms of predictions, because it really was all over the map. Um, I don't know that back in the spring, though, like this time last year, I don't know that we were we were thinking this many. I really, I think, I think in terms of the most of the people who were really watching it, I don't think they expected this many deaths. Um, I think the thought would be is that it would, we'd see it, it would kind of go up, it'd go down. Ideally, it would go away or diminish significantly over the summer. At that time, we were still worried about what the winter would look like, and of course, that actually played out to be true. Uh, to be the hardest time for the pandemic was. Uh, the fall and the winter time. Um, and so I think that was a big unknown. So as we look at that number, obviously a terrible number in our family and so many families were affected uh, by that 500,000 deaths uh, that mm-hmm. can be traced back to COVID-19. Uh, but the numbers that we're hearing and the stats that we're seeing is it maybe just maybe that COVID, the number of cases is slowing down in Arkansas. Is that what you're seeing through the data? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> and actually even, and of course now, and let me be, be clear the last like 10 days, there was a significant drop, like a 70-something percent drop in terms of the cases in the state of Arkansas. Wow. That's not really accurate. And the reason why is because obviously because of the snow and the weather, and people don't go get tested, you know, during the middle of, of a snowstorm like that. And right. so 
those numbers aren't – we've got some sort of baseline spread that we'll hit. Um, you know, we'll, we'll find that out in the next few weeks or so. Um, but, yes, we were seeing significant numbers come down really after the holiday season. After that Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's holiday season, we've seen this significant trend downward. And that's been nationwide as well. So we've seen it here in Arkansas, nationwide. We've seen it here in northeast Arkansas as well. So it's, it's been consistent. So why do you think we're seeing those numbers? Is it just people are being more careful, or is it at this point that so many people have had it? I mean, what do you guys think from what you're looking at? So the biggest, and that's a huge question, by the way, Brandon, like everybody across the country, like all the scientists and researchers saying, okay, why do we think this is happening? And it's probably, it's probably multiple points. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. We had this big surge of cases, and now we're on the back end of that. And so we're kind of on the backside of our peak. And so it's natural to see those cases go down. We are seeing more people get vaccinated, and that helps. So that's probably not the true reason why we're seeing these numbers. Remember, there was a fair number of people who have gotten infected with COVID and didn't go get tested or didn't tell anybody about it, or maybe it was a runny nose or a cough or a headache, and it was mild symptoms. We suspect that number, and the data kind of supports this, that number is probably six to eight times the number of actual cases we have. Well, here in the state of Arkansas, I mean, we're hitting 300,000 cases from the beginning of this. If you multiply that times six or eight, you're at 1.8 or 2.4 million people. The state of Arkansas is 3 million people. So that's a good percentage of the population that's probably had it at some level. And so then when you throw on top of that people that have been vaccinated, we're getting to a a good place in terms of people that have some antibodies or have some immunity to COVID. So so I, I think a lot of that is at play. We had an employee who was out for the last two weeks who tested positive, and we were asking him, hey, how did you feel? Because we had multiple employees at the same time who were sick. Um, But he said that outside of a little bit of a headache and a little bit of sinus pressure, he didn't think he had it until his wife tested positive. So he thought, well, I guess I need to go and get tested. And and he was suffering from those extremely mild symptoms. So I guess that's Mm -hmm. something that, you know, it's wild that it affects people so differently because I've talked to you, you know, personally, um, just off of the radio about how it affected my family. And we lost Leslie's grandfather because of it. Why do you think it affects so many different people so differently? So it actually has to do with your genetics. And these are things that really are not commonly known like like you can't you can't pull your wallet out and pull out your genetic code and say hey look here's where i've got these deletions or these things in my genetic right. code but to be honest that's really what it boils down to and we've looked at these studies there's interesting case studies from across the globe there were two brothers in um oh gosh i think it was italy or somewhere and one was like early or one was mid 30s one was early 40s both of them they shouldn't have, but they got sick, and one of them died from it. One was in the ICU for like seven or eight weeks and is still crippled because of it or still having difficulties because of it in terms of the, the disease itself. Um, but what happened was when they, when they tried to figure out, look, why are these guys having – because they were normal, healthy, no medical problems at all. Why are these guys having trouble? They looked at their genetic code and found that, that, in, that their immune system was missing a certain protein that otherwise you would never know about. So this virus – is, is, is basically um, taxing your system, and, and you wouldn't know it unless you know your genetic code and know where these uh, deficits are or these deletions are in your immune system. And, and people don't know that stuff. So that's why it seems like it may be random. It's not really random, but it's just that people don't, don't know what their genetic code has. Does that make sense? No, it does. Dr. Shane Spites is on with us this morning. So as we talk about your genetic code, and we don't know that, you know, we've seen these different things about supplements and things that we could take 
that might help us. Are you seeing that any of the supplementation is actually helping people or is it really just a roll of the dice? So, and I get this question a lot too, and let me be clear. I would love nothing more than to be able to tell people, go out now and buy, you know, this vitamin, this mineral, this supplement and take this and it will protect you from COVID or you will get over COVID. It just doesn't work like that. And and the data continues to come in. There was a recent study that just was published on vitamin C and zinc that showed no difference. There was a study that was published on vitamin D3 that showed no difference. And so um, as we get more of these studies that are coming out that are looking at this in the relationship to COVID, they're just not showing a relationship. Now, that being said, certainly if you were deficient in a nutrient that your body needs to function, like a certain vitamin or a certain mineral, then you have put yourself at a disadvantage. Right. Uh, but it's one of those things where, like, when you fill your you fill your car with gas, if you overfill it, it's not helping your car any. I mean, your car needs gas, right. but if the gas starts spilling out on the ground, you haven't you haven't helped your helped your vehicle any. <laughs> right. That's kind of what happens with vitamins. You can take so many, but at some point, your body just starts getting rid of them, saying, "Look, I don't need all this," and so you start just kind of getting it out through through waste products. Does that make sense? No. Yeah, it does. So as we hear that numbers are decreasing, I think one of my concerns is in, um, is that a lot of people are going to say, hey, the numbers are going down. It's safer to go out and do things. Uh, do you worry about that? Are you afraid and is, are your colleagues afraid that once we hear that the numbers are decreasing, that people will let their guard down a little bit? You know, yes and no. I mean, at some point, this is going to come to an end. <laughs> right. And so at some point, we, we, we will be going back out and doing all those things that we did before the pandemic, um, is that, are we moving into that into that period now? I can't say for sure. What we're watching closely are the variants. Um, I'll be honest with you, we're less concerned now about the current COVID strain because the vaccines are rolling out. We're getting so many people vaccinated. Um, you know, you've had so many people that have been infected with it just recently that are now getting over it and they have antibodies. So we feel good about that. Our concern now has kind of shifted to these variants. The good thing is the, the variant that's going to be probably most widespread here in the U.S. is the U.K. variant. Um, and right now, it's really more prevalent in Florida, so we're kind of watching Florida. But both vaccines cover, both the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines cover the U.K. variant. So that's great news, too. So I'll be honest with you, I'm really optimistic. I'm really optimistic about what the spring and the summer is going to hold. Um, I think we're going to be in a completely different place. I feel really good about the next uh, next few months. Well, that might be my favorite thing you've ever yeah. said on the radio with us. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, vaccine eligibility because I, I do believe that we're loosening up some of the numbers and maybe uh, we're seeing that change as we kind of go throughout this week. Is that accurate? It is. Um, as a matter of fact, the governor just announced yesterday that individuals now, they've lowered the age. It used to be 70 and older. Now anyone 65 and older is eligible for the vaccine. Um, and so it's still still the 1A and 1B categories in terms of healthcare workers, frontline workers, um, anyone in, in education or daycare. Um, but now it's been lowered. And that picks up another 115,000 people in the state wow. of Arkansas that are now eligible for it. So really encouraging people to do that. Um, I don't – I'm hesitating here, Brandon, so bear with me. Okay. <laughs> we have been working for a while on a, on, on a, on a big mass vaccination event, and we are – we are within, I mean, we are so close to, to actually publicizing when and where that will be for Northeast Arkansas. 
Wow. Um, and so I expect that truly like probably in the coming days is that that is that we will we will be able to announce a mass vaccination event for Northeast Arkansas. Um, we were, we've been it's been it's been something that's been in the works for a long time. Uh, a lot of partners involved in this. Um, and so we're just excited to, to be able to, uh, to to finally be able to bring it to fruition. But we've been able to get the state to guarantee us. That was the big thing was to be able to guarantee us a significant amount of vaccine for the region. So, OK, I'm going to ask one question and you might not be able to answer, but I think I have to ask because people might be wondering, uh, is this still fitting within the 65 plus or is this opening up a little further down or how's that going to work? Can you tell us? It, yeah, it'll have to be within the state guidelines. So that, you know, that's because the state controls the vaccine. That's what happens is the state gets the vaccine from the federal government and then they turn around and disperse it to hospitals and pharmacies. And so you have to follow the state guidelines. So this would be this event would be in line with what the state requires in terms of 1A, 1B. Gotcha. And now the new group of 65 and older. All right. Great news right there. And of course, uh, we'd love to have you on as soon as we can break that news, man. We appreciate everything you do. Absolutely. No, no. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know. All right. There you go. Dr. Shane Spites. He is the dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine. He is the advisor for the city of Jonesboro and really for now all of Northeast Arkansas on COVID-19. And Dr. Spites, man, we know you're busy and we appreciate the time you give us. No, thank you, guys. Appreciate you as well. All right. See you, my friend. Dr. Shane Spites on with us this morning. And Kelly Perry, I have one question for you. Are you ready to celebrate some local people? Let's do it. Let's do the birthdays. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Well, well, well. Time for birthdays for today, Wednesday, February 24th of 2021. Local birthdays, local celebrities. Here we go. Happy birthday goes out to Hannah Evans of Jonesboro, Lisa Knights of Bono. How about Bailey and Kaylee Argo of Jonesboro, both turning nine, so happy birthday. Lauren Rebstock of Arbord, Missouri, 10 years old today. Sherry Ford is celebrating. Larry Coyman of Truman, Riley Hitchcock of Jonesboro celebrates. Angela Wiggins, happy birthday. W.G. Willoughby. Of Jonesboro, we have Sherry Cole celebrating today. John Warner of Paragould. Nancy Miller of Jonesboro. Jacob Thomas is celebrating a birthday. And happy birthday to our friend Jared Taylor. Happy birthday. When Arkansas represent. Get armed. At Taylor Arms, right there. Jared Taylor celebrates today as well. And if you have a birthday today, we say this. We say happy birthday to all y'all. And you celebrate with these celebrities. O'Shea Jackson Jr. is 30. That's Ice Cube's son, and he played him in Straight Outta Compton. All right. Floyd Mayweather Jr. is 44. Of course, he's a boxer. Billy Zane from Titanic is 55. Deborah Jo Rupp is 70. That's Kitty Foreman, the mom on That 70s Show. And happy birthday today to Sammy Kershaw, who is 63. How about that? Sammy Kershaw. My little baby loves me. Cadillac style. Come on now. You know that third-rate romance? Oh, yeah. Third-rate romance. Lauren Rendezvous. Sammy Kershaw turning 63 today. And my favorites? She don't know she's beautiful. She don't know she's beautiful. No, she's not that she don't know 
really is one of my favorite country classics. Sammy Kershaw celebrating a birthday today. There she goes, just walking down the street, and someone lets a whistle out. Come on now. A girl like her, she just can't see what the fuss is all about. You know why? Because she don't know she's beautiful. Happy birthday to my good friend, Sammy Kershaw, <laughs> who turns 63 today. Brandon Baxter in the morning. It's the K-Fine Breakfast Club, powered by Families Inc. Counseling Services. And we always love it when we are honored to have Dr. Dana Watson on with us. And for a minute, I thought she was mad at us because it, it's been a minute, uh, Doc, since you've been on with us. I have missed you guys. I, I mean, it's like life got in the way there for a few weeks and... And now we're the band is back together. There you go. So Families Inc., obviously, Dr. Dana Watson is a clinical psychologist there and has become such a friend to us as we talk through life and thoughts. And I love this uh, topic today because this is something I think I've struggled with and probably a lot of people who are listening are struggling with as well because uh, the toughest critic that we're ever going to face is uh, the one that we look at in the mirror every morning, right? Sure, Absolutely. And I think sometimes uh, we don't even realize that we're talking to ourselves in the way that we're talking to ourselves or, uh, you know, how much we influence our own thoughts and self-talk and how much that can impact our lives and how we operate. And I remember some of the the pep talks I used to give myself before I'd go out and I'd do, you know, a wrestling show or host A-State football and, you know, how my mindset truly was going to determine how I went out there and performed. Because even now, if I go out to host A-State football, uh, if I'm out there going, oh my gosh, I hope I don't mess this up, I hope I don't mm-hmm. mess this up, guess what's going to happen? More than likely, there's going to come a moment in a game where I mess something up, and then it's a tailspin of how things go. So it truly, our mindset mm-hmm. influences how well we do and how much we enjoy what we're doing. Yeah, and as an actor, I mean, a performer and an athlete, I mean, I think you would know just as well as anyone, you know, of how... It can either be your, you know, your best friend or your Achilles heel. Um, there's a there's a, a leadership expert named uh, Wright Thurston, and he says that positive self-talk is the most powerful form of communication because it either empowers you or it defeats you. Ooh. And yeah, and our inner dialogue is really just a combination of our conscious and unconscious thoughts. You know, it's our general perception of ourselves and our environment. And a lot of the way that we create our own inner voice or our self-talk is that comes from how we were spoken to as children. Mm-hmm. And some of it has also been influenced along the way by experiences that we've had or relationships that we've had, both positive and negative. Um, so it's, it's important that we are mindful of our inner voice and our thoughts and exactly how those words are influencing us. And it can be very revealing when we realize how much the way we speak to ourselves influences our mood, our stress level, our behavior, our choices, and ultimately how our lives are going to play out. So I would assume as, as we kind of, uh, I guess, uh, peel back the onion on this deal, I would assume that optimists are uh, talking to themselves a lot differently than people who might be a little more pessimistic. Yeah, yeah, because people who generally have a positive outlook, you know, we call them optimists, they they expect mostly good things. They 
uh, have healthy and encouraging self-talk. And that's not to say they cannot have the same doubts or get nervous or feel rejected, but overall, they're pretty, con- they're pretty content and satisfied with themselves. And they were probably spoken to kindly and gently and in an affirming way as a child. They were probably securely attached to their parents or caregivers, and they felt loved and safe. And they knew that even if they failed at something or if they disappointed a caregiver, no one was going to stop loving them. And so as adults, they still anticipate that life will work in their favor most of the time. And they know that they're able to change course if they do fail, because that little voice inside them says things like, that's okay. You tried and you learned something. Now get up and dust yourself off and try again. So for people who might uh, self-talk negatively most of the time, are you thinking that they had different experiences uh, in childhood as children than the people who are more positive? You know, in a lot of cases, yes. They heard, you know, the people who have more of a negative or pessimistic outlook might have heard messages like, there's no way that's going to work. Um, second place is the first loser. <laughs> yeah. You don't have what it takes. You're lazy. And then even some of the nonverbal messages were similar to that. You know, like they may have um, interpreted things like you're not as good or as pretty or as smart or as cool as your siblings. Mm. You'll know, you'll never amount to anything. So don't even bother. You're a disappointment. And sometimes their caregivers may have been ill or preoccupied and the children just learn not to express their needs, or when they tried, they were shut down, or maybe even told they were selfish. So what else could these people do but learn to head off any kind of pain or rejection by learning how to talk themselves out of even trying? You know, because if you anticipate failure, you don't risk as much. You don't try as often, so you don't lose as often. People don't laugh at you, and they, and they don't realize how, in your mind, unlovable you are. Can I tell you that if I go back and, and I just listen to those words as you're saying, and I'm, and I'm hearing them in my headphones, I'm going, oh my gosh, I need to shift because that's how I felt about, you know, so much of my childhood mm-hmm. and it was nobody's fault. You know I mean? It wasn't mm-hmm. like it was, nobody was telling me that stuff. So much of it was a learned behavior. I think I learned from myself, but in some ways, are we saying that, that those learned behaviors deep down really might be a parent's fault? Oh, well, as a very imperfect parent, I'm happy to be able to report that it is not always our fault. It's not always the parent's fault. Right. However, what influences us as children is our perception of the world around us and how we believe we fit into it or that we don't. So for a few different reasons, it's possible that a child could misinterpret a parent's comments or behavior, and then that misinterpretation creates this negative lasting effect. Well, I mean, I'm thankful that it's not always going to be the parent's fault in that situation. Yeah. You know, because we want to we want to raise a child who is you know perfect and loving and able to function and has all this self confidence. And uh, you know, I would hate to think that we would do anything that might not make it uh, to where they were living like that. Oh, definitely. You know, because I mean, it's also possible that the rejection or disappointment that we felt when we like didn't make the cheer team made us come to the faulty conclusion that we were too clumsy or too fat. Or when we weren't invited to a popular kid's birthday party, we began to wrongly see ourselves as different or unlikable. So there are other factors that can help along the way to create either really positive self-talk for us or negative self-talk. 
I kind of feel like I wrote a book and you've read my book of childhood. (laughs) This is so much, you know, because, I mean, I was one of the kids who unfortunately was out there on the playground and, you know, smaller kid and all that. I wasn't picked a lot of times or I was picked last and I started talking to myself. And but then I never wanted to tell my mom that. You know, like when I got bullied in school, I didn't want to go home and say, Mom, you know, I'm being bullied or something like that because I didn't want to stress her out with it. So obviously the way we talk to ourselves can increase our own stress levels and make us feel either bad or insecure about ourselves and and probably actually go on to hinder us from taking chances or even trying new things because we don't want to fail, right? Oh, yeah. I have a... I have a plaque in my office that says, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you how many patients I have seen study that plaque and then want to talk about it. Because to some of them, not failing is a foreign concept. They have never felt successful, even when they were, because that voice was still there to tell them they could have done better. So-and-so would have done it better. Nobody really likes them anyway, so it doesn't matter how they did blah, blah, blah. And then my patients who have more healthy self-talk say things like, oh, I'd be an astronaut or a race car driver or the CEO of a Fortune 500 (laughs) company. Because they're happy with themselves and what they're doing and who they are. So all the things that they imagine are much more fun and grandiose. They're not as scared to dream or to envision themselves succeeding. So would you say that most of us talk to ourselves more harshly or critically than we talk to anybody else? We're talking bad to ourselves first. Oh, yeah. I think that's true for a lot of people. You know, we tend to be kinder and more forgiving to others, at least outwardly, and then a little harder on ourselves. Um, But now, if you show me a person who belittles or demeans others, I can promise you that no matter how they might seem on the outside, like full of confidence or or full of themselves, they are miserable people who think very little of themselves. Because as we've kind of discussed before, it is completely incompatible to be truly happy with yourself while looking for faults in others. So you mentioned how, you know, some of us self, uh, some of our self-talk comes from childhood and then some comes from other relationships. And I think about how Kai, my son sees me talk to myself or what I say about myself or how I act and how that could impact his feelings about himself. And a lot of this can be body image because I'll be the one in the mirror going, I seem to lose a few pounds. Uh, And then it makes me realize as I'm saying that, uh, how important it is for me to be uh, a good model to him of healthy self-talk, especially when I might not feel I'm, you know, I'm at my best. He doesn't need to hear me talking to myself like that. Oh, that's so important and so true. And, and I love this quote. It says, um, Take care of how you speak to yourself because you are listening. And we could, even, we could extend that to say, take care of how you speak to yourself because you are listening and so are the little people around you. Yep. you know, so we want the message to ourselves and our children, our loved ones to be, I love you as you are. You don't have to be anything or do anything or achieve anything other than just being you. And that's enough. You know, win or lose, you're loved. First place or last place, I encourage you to try and try again if you want to. You know, we humans are only going to do what we think we might be able to do. We are never going to try anything if we genuinely believe we will fail. That's just counterintuitive to our physical and our emotional survival. So maybe for the people who didn't get that type of messaging from their parents or maybe 
uh, when they were growing up, you weren't on the radio to kind of talk us through this. Uh, how do we create that kind of self-talk that says, you know, hey, self, I love you as you are. I love you even if your hair falls out. I love you if you don't get that promotion. I love you if you get more wrinkles. I love you if you gain weight. I love you if you get divorced, if you spill your glass at dinner. How do we go back and kind of fix that? Well, it just begins with begin. It begins with starting to pay attention maybe for a week, uh, of what we are saying or thinking to ourselves. And like we said, we hardly even are aware of a lot of it. So you just you have to really tune in and start to hear that voice or those thoughts. And you can even write it down and write the good and the bad comments. Uh, like when you were nervous, what were you saying to yourself? Or when you were disappointed, what did you tell yourself? When you looked really nice, what did you tell yourself? Or did you go a whole week without thinking something nice about yourself at all? So really just create an awareness of what's going on inside you. And truly, it could blow your mind. You know, maybe you'll be really pleased to hear that the kindness and the gentleness uh, is in a way that you comfort yourself and you, um, if when you're stressed out or if you feel rejected. Or maybe you'll hear, maybe you'll hear um, a couple of negative confidence boosters, uh, busters that you can work to alter so that they're more um, realistic and supportive. Um, And if you hear really harsh, critical language, notice how it makes you feel, how it makes you act towards others, and how it affects your energy throughout the day. So do you think we could break it down and basically say that we should be able to talk to ourselves like we would talk to a child or another person who's struggling? Because I think sometimes, you know, we want to lift people up. We want to make them feel better. But at the same time, we're internally destroying ourselves. Yes, but a lot of people might not know how to do that if it was not modeled for them. Right. So if they didn't grow up in a home hearing those words um, or surrounded by people or um, experiences that affirmed them, it might seem fake or foreign. You know, I had a friend one time who was blown away when she first heard how I um, speak to my children. And I say things like, precious girl, would you go get mommy her glasses? Or I know you're so proud of yourself for how hard you worked, and I'm proud too. I was socialized by my mom to speak like that to myself and to mm-hmm. others. So it, for me, it's natural and very genuine. But if you were not raised that way, you could start today by saying one encouraging and affirming thing to yourself every day. And then try it. Say one thing to every person that you cross paths with that's supportive and affirming. Um, and if you tend to have a negative outlook, you know, don't expect to be an optimist overnight. But with practice, eventually your self-talk will contain uh, less criticism and a lot more self-acceptance. And you can become less critical of the people in the world around you simultaneously. And there's just so many emotional and physical benefits to more healthy and positive self-talk for each of us. I want to hug you right now. Is that okay? Can I virtually hug you? Absolutely. <laughs> the three of us. No, because yes. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking about how many people, you know, when they listen to those words, they're going, oh my gosh, I'm doing that to myself. Yeah. I'm tearing myself down. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not setting the perfect example for their kids. And, you know, and, and a lot of times when you're a parent, especially you're going, oh my gosh, am I doing this right? I, yeah. I don't know. There's not a real handbook for me to do this. And I want to make sure that my kid does the best. But if somebody's listening right now and they kind of fear that their own self-talk is causing a lot of harm to them or or maybe holding them back, I guess the best thing they could do is reach out to uh, one of the counselors or a therapist at Families, Inc. And the phone number, if you want to do that, and you can talk to people like Dr. Dana Watson, 870-933-6886, right? 
Yes, we do. Telehealth still and in-person visits. And, you know, just, I mean, I think that this year has shown us more than ever that life is so short. And, and for therapists and counselors and psychologists, what a pleasure it would be to accompany someone on that journey of learning to love themselves, feeling more comfortable in their own skin finally, and then really just to crank up the enjoyment that they get to experience every day in their lives. There you go. Dr. Dana Watson, she is a clinical psychologist of Families, Inc. Counseling Services. And as I talk to her, I kind of uh, look back on my life and what I can fix. And we appreciate you uh, doing this. I mean, it's a public service that you do when you come on here and, and you talk us through stuff like this. Because I can tell you this, we'll get messages today from people that that helped. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a total treat for me. I thank you for the time. Y'all have a great rest of the week. All right, you yeah. too. Dr. Dana Watson. Right, bye-bye. Families Inc. Counseling Service, a proud supporter of the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Brandon Baxter in the morning. And on Wednesday mornings, we do the K-Fine Breakfast Club, which is powered by our friends at Families Inc. Counseling Services. And we have Casey Kidd on with us this morning from the Crowley's Ridge Development Council. Good morning, Casey. Good morning. Thanks for having me today. Hey, we talked to you a couple weeks ago about uh, heat and the fact that, hey, we're going through winter and uh, electric bills and heating bills get kind of crazy. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, we hit last week with record temperatures, record lows, and so many days below freezing. And I would assume Mm -hmm. at this point at CRDC that you guys are going to have a lot of people in need. Yes, absolutely. So we have definitely had a lot of um, inquiries about the program. And, and how we can help. So when I was on um, previously, we were talking about our regular um, utility assistance program, which is just like an added benefit toward um, a utility bill. Mm-hmm. But our crisis program opened um, this Monday, the 22nd, and that's actually to help families who are facing a crisis situation. So if they're at risk of being disconnected or with some of the companies not doing disconnections, that they have a pass-through bill. Um, if they are needing um, to get reconnected if they've been disconnected mm-hmm. or if they're needing to move into new housing and need utility services transferred, their propane tank is at 10% or below, utilities are in their rent, they're facing eviction. Um, those are items that we can assist families with um, through this program to help them to, to not lose their power and their heat source um, during the winter time. And there's going to be people who either are hearing us right now who are going through something like that, who times have been a little bit tough, or there's going to be people who know somebody who's probably gone through problems like that or who could just use that assistance. How can people get the assistance from CRDC? Absolutely. So um, we serve Craighead, Crittenden, Cross, Green, Jackson, Poinsett, St. Francis, and Woodruff counties. Um, Here in the Jonesboro office, applications are hanging um, on our door um, however, we can email those out. Um, someone can, can email us at um, lihep, L-I-H-E-A-P dot info at crdcnea.com, uh, request an application. They can go to our website, crdcnea.org, um, and download it there. Um, they can shoot us a message on Facebook. We can um, get it sent to them. We can mail it. We can fax it. Um, we just want to make sure that families can get the assistance they need. Um, of course, we're closed due to COVID, but we don't want to um, cause any more obstacles for families to face. Um, our website also has all of the information regarding documentation that's needed. 
um, as well as qualifications, income guidelines, so someone can find out if they are eligible for the program. Yeah, I think it's amazing that you guys are able to help because nobody ever has the idea when they're young or when they're going through life, hey, there's going to be a point where I need help. It happens and it hits people upside the head and all of a sudden they're there. And and some people have, you know, that the pride thing that kind of gets in the way. But at this point, CRDC says, hey, you can just email us. You can just come and grab a flyer off the door. It doesn't have to be, you know, publicly advertised that you're going for help. But if you need help, right. CRDC is there. Exactly. And so many times we hear, well, I just don't want to take from someone else. Uh, I'll, I'll figure it out. It's fun. No, we have plenty of funds to help families. So if you qualify... You know, please do come to us. Of course, I mean, you have to turn in the documentation and you have to qualify for the program. But if we can help you, we want to do that. Now, some reminders that we do like people to be in mind of is if water and sewer, trash, other items outside of electric and gas are on your utility bill, you're responsible for those. So if you are facing a disconnection, then those would have to be paid before um, we can make a pledge. And we're only able to help with up to $500, so anything over that um, you would be responsible for as well. Um, we do try to connect people to other resources. Um, if they're, they are facing a higher-than-normal bill um, and need some additional help um, beyond what we can pay, um, we, you know, we want people to get the service they need. So we try to work with them um, on that to find other help if we can't fully help resolve the problem. Again, the Crowley's Ridge Development Council has a crisis program going on right now to help during the heating crisis, which so many people have been affected by. And I'll tell you, just just real honestly, last week we were going through uh, those temperatures, and I was hearing how how often you know the the heat was kicking on. And I'm sitting here going, "Oh my gosh, I have a you know okay job and stuff like that." But I was going, "What is this bill going to look like?" Mm-hmm. I was a little bit concerned about it. Right, exactly, and so that's why we just we don't want families to have to worry about whether they're going to pay their utility bill or they're going to buy groceries or they're going to pay for prescriptions. We just want them to know that we're here to help them if we can at all. Casey Kidd joins us this morning from the Crowley's Ridge Development Council. Again, you can find out more about the programs at crdcnea.org. And Casey, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. All right. You too. All right. It's K-Fine Breakfast Club, which is powered by Families Inc. Brandon Baxter in the morning. And this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club, which is powered by Families, Inc. Counseling Services. We're joined this morning by Alyssa Weaver, who is representing A-State up till dawn. And Alyssa, welcome back to the show. How are you this morning? I'm so good. How are y'all? Good. Hey, we're okay. We survived the winter storm. We survived a flood. So I think at this point we can go outside and enjoy the weather today. Yeah, we're all making it. We're all making it. I'm so thankful for the sunshine. So did you get to go sledding or anything fun in the snow? Um, I definitely could have, um, but I definitely chose not to. (laughs) Um, I'm much more a fan of the sunshine that we've had the last two days as opposed to snow. (laughs) Yeah, and if it wasn't for Kai, I would have bundled up Mm -hmm. under blankets and stayed inside, but he wanted to go out and go down the hills and sled. And can I tell you this? I want, let me give you advice for, for everybody out there this morning. Uh, you know, a lot of times when you're going to go and climb up uh, snow hills or mountains or something like that, you need the proper equipment. Let me tell you that old school 10-year-old Uggs do not oh have great gosh. traction. Oh, yeah, that is 
sounds a little scary. <laughs> Just so you know, he was the one wearing the Uggs. No, yes, I was. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's great. That's a look. I'm sure yeah. that that just really tied oh, the whole outfit together. It is. You should have seen it. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. If you're out there on the campus of Arkansas State and you're looking around, how many of the, the college guys are wearing Uggs around campus? You know, I would say that that is not something I see very often. <laughs> Unfortunately, I definitely think that that would make for um, good class attire. I think that we should definitely push for that in the future, but I can honestly say that we don't see that very often. Brandon, Listen, you could be starting something again. They are yes, so comfortable. you are a trendsetter. So oh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach out to Dr. Kelly Damphus because last oh, yes. summer, last summer, you know, I was trying to do the deal where I was bringing back uh, the jean, jean shorts. shorts. And Dr. Danfus said he was in for it. So I think maybe for, you know, an upcoming basketball game, we'll do a Jorts Day, me and, and Dr. Danfus, and I'll buy him some Uggs, too. Wow. Right. Dr. D would look awesome in a pair of Uggs. I think that that definitely should happen. You know, and he is from, where, where is he from? <laughs> He's from Canada, right? Yes, he should already own a pair. It would yep. definitely bring out a smile. That's for sure. We should definitely make that happen. All right, we're going to work on that. Hey, tell me what's <laughs> happening with A-State up till dawn, because, you know, we love to support what you all do, because... You know, we kind of have this common interest in helping to raise money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. We have this common interest in helping these kids who are battling cancer. You know, I've seen it firsthand. I've I've seen children who are going through treatment there. I've seen kids who have had their lives saved because of St. Jude. And to me, it's awesome yeah. that you have this group at Arkansas State who, who rallies together and raises a ton of money to help St. Jude. So what's up with Up Till Dawn? Of course. So, yeah, like you said, St. Jude Up Till Dawn is a organization, student-led initiative on campus that allows us to fundraise funds for the kids at St. Jude. Um, and it's just a super awesome organization for many reasons. Obviously, the base reason being that we do get to fundraise for St. Jude, but also just because it's a great community of people that just get to rally together. And it's just an awesome opportunity to be able to be a a part of something bigger than yourself in college um, to be able to see a lasting impact for something that you may walk away from in four years, but it has lasting effects for many years to come. Um, and so that's just a really awesome thing that we get to be a part of. Um, and of course, St. Jude up till dawn is we're starting to, we are, we have been fundraising since August. And so we have been working towards our goal of $50,000 um, as a campus wide goal. And we are currently at $43,600. Wow. So we awesome. are so close. We are so close. And our finale is exactly two weeks away from yesterday. So we are still fundraising. We're still pushing. We're still encouraging people to sign up. We're still encouraging people to personally fundraise. And we're still encouraging people in Jonesboro to, if they feel led to give, to give to a college student who is trying to be a part of something bigger than themselves. So, and I love the idea that, you know, you guys are doing that because, you know, you think about what I was doing when I was 18 or 20. I wasn't, you know, real civic minded mm-hmm. trying to go out and raise funds to help. And, uh, you know, right. you learn as you get older that that's uh, something that makes you feel good and you get to know you're doing something awesome. But let's yeah, say there, there's somebody listening right now and they're like, wait a minute, I'm not sure if I know a college student who is out there fundraising for Up Till Dawn. How can we find out who's doing that and basically pour more money into what you're doing? Yeah, of course. Um, so the best way to do this is to um, actually social media is honestly the best plug. Um, I know that that is just kind of where our society's at. Mm-hmm. So I'll just kind of plug that social media there. Yeah. Um, but if you guys will look us up on Facebook at Arkansas State up till dawn, or if you want to follow us on Instagram at a state UTD, all of our links for fundraising are in our bios. Um, and if you don't know a college student DM or personally message one of those accounts and we can 
get you guys set up with somebody who is a college student who is trying to fundraise and maybe is struggling a little bit. Maybe we can create some kind of personal relationship with a college student just to be able to kind of give back in um, this college town just because that is something that we also are trying to create a very community-based organization within St. Jude up till dawn so that way that college students are able to really feel at home here at Arkansas State and be able to feel as though they have somebody in their corner whether that's on campus or just a community member in Jonesboro. So. What is your personal best story from fundraising for St. Jude? Is there a moment where you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so um, glad we did this? Well, of course. <laughs> what is it? I think my personal personal favorite moment, um, I am currently serving as the executive director for St. Jude Up Till Dawn. And this past December, I kind of did my own personal fundraising mission called Christmas with a Cause, where I decorated Christmas trees, I put up people, I wrapped people's gifts, and I just kind of did it as a way for people to donate back to my link in order to fundraise. Um, and this year, I got to decorate for a family who actually had a child in St. Jude, and I'm really close to that family. I've become really good friends with them, and I actually got to spend her St. Jude cancer-free anniversary with her while I was decorating her Christmas tree. And so it was just so much fun because I was like, I'm surrounded by the joy of Christmas, but I'm also like getting getting to spend this time with this little girl who has had a lasting impact and is alive because of the hospital that I'm working for. So I think that that was probably one of my favorite moments. And it's just been a really good eye opener. And it's always a humbling moment whenever you have a personal connection to St. Jude and the Mm -hmm. mission, because it just really does keep you in check with why we're working so hard to raise the funds that we're raising. And it's just a great reminder that it's not all about you and that there are bigger fish to fry. And that as we continue to fundraise and everything that there are still people in need that you may never know, never touch, never see the lives that you are impacting, but that you're doing that. And so yeah. I was able I was able to be there many years ago when a friend of ours, Autumn Sharp, went through her uh, no more chemo party. I remember being there yes. in that moment and yes. how exciting that was. And then just it was I think it was last year. You know, I, I remember doing our radiothon and we interviewed yes. this young this young man, a young boy at the time. It was Ben Sherman. Right. Uh, yes. and, and we saw him at JHS a year or two ago, and we got to see that because of St. Jude, he was able to grow up and be this handsome young man. And, yeah, uh, you know, you, you see those stories or one of the guys we deal with who's huge in a state uh, in AC marketing in St. Jude marketing yeah. is Scott Henschelwood. Uh, he yes. works over there. Yeah. Are, do you know, Scott? Uh, yes. Yes, of course. So I'd known Scott for all these years of doing the radio stuff. And at first I didn't realize the reason he wanted to commit himself to working for St. Jude was because. St. Jude saved his life. When you hear those stories and you realize that stuff, you know that you're giving money to a great cause. And that cause is to allow a young person to continue to fight and beat cancer. And that's why, of course, that's why up till dawn's raising money as well. One more time on those socials so people can find you. Yes, of course. So we're on Facebook at Arkansas State Up Till Dawn, or we're on Instagram at A State UTD. And feel free to click the link in any of our bios to donate or personally message or DM any of those accounts, and we'll be able to connect you um, to a fundraising link. There you go. Melissa Weaver joins us this morning. Hey, we appreciate your time and have a great morning. Of course. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great day. All right, you too. It's the K-Fine Breakfast Club, which is powered by Families, Inc. Brandon Baxter in the morning. And this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club, which is powered by Families, Inc. Counseling Services. And y'all, we have the man you need, Dr. Kevin Reed. He is man's best friend. He is our best friend. And he is the veterinarian of choice of the Brandon Baxter in the morning radio program, Dr. Kevin Reed. 
from Vet Care. Welcome back, Doc. Hey. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good. Man, we're all right. You know, we flooded last week. Did you have any pipe damage over there at your place? No, no pipe damage. Um, you know, I was fortunate in not nothing here at the clinic or at home. But, you know, I'm looking out and in my back parking lot. I did have the lot cleared, I think, on Wednesday, and then they came back again on Thursday. And, you know, I'm looking out. What's it been, nine, ten days since it snowed? And I still got snow in the back parking lot. And I hadn't thought about this in 20 years, but it was probably around 20 years ago. And um, we had a little snow. It's like one and a half, two inches, you know, one evening. And, then, of course, you know, the schools were closed the next day. And my son was just a young teenager then, and he um, – he wanted to know if he could, be, I don't know if it was really his girlfriend, but it was a girl he was interested in, was seeing, and wanted to know if he could go over to her house and sled and do whatever. And I said, yeah, that's fine. So um, he comes home that afternoon, and the next morning I get a call from this girl's dad, and I don't really, we're acquaintances, but I wasn't you know, good friends with him. And he said, hey, I need to talk to you about your son. And I said, <laughs> okay. And he said, I went out to the get the paper this morning, and his name was uh, in the snow in P. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I said, oh, come on. You know, I'm sure I probably tried to do that when I was younger, and you probably did too. And he said, yeah, but what concerns me is that it was in my daughter's handwriting. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note. <laughs> Well, there's uh, Dr. Kevin Reed. <laughs> the great thing about Kevin is when you go to vet care and you take your pets there for for pet health care, you also get a comedian on the side. That's that's true. So how did uh, how did the animal population hold, hold up with the temperatures? You know, I think overall we did pretty good. We didn't see any cold related, cold weather related uh, issues um, this past week, and. Uh, you know, um, I got a lot of people telling me that their dogs will not go out and use the bathroom. And I said, yeah. I understand. Mine won't either. So, uh, you know, fortunately, that's behind us now. So, No, I was telling Kelly, and I said this on the radio, too. Ace, the German Shepherd, loved it, right? But the two Cavaliers, um, essentially, if there's six or eight feet, or uh, not feet, six or eight inches of snow on the ground, they're bellies and they're boys. So the rest of them are rubbing the snow as they're walking outside. Yeah. I don't think yeah, I would want to do that. Yeah. They don't like that. No, Mm-mm. most dogs don't. What else should we know as we uh, look at this week with you and, and talk about our pet population? Um, you know, I thought, and I don't know if we've talked about this before, but there is a condition in dogs, and it can occur in cats, but more commonly in dogs, that occurs pretty commonly. And it's called a, a prolapsed gland of the third eyelid. And, you know, dogs and cats both have these little kind of what's called the third eyelid because it's the on the bottom part behind the lower lid it's like a little you know a little white uh cartilage um tissue um and it, sometimes it's kind of called the windshield wiper of the eye but there's a gland back there way down deep you normally don't see it and it's uh, involved in uh, tear production probably produces about 30 percent of the water part of tear for each eye and what can happen is if that gets irritated, and it's probably due to the uh, tissue attachment is real, the connective tissue is weak, and that gland will protrude or prolapse. And the common name is cherry eye because it looks like a pinkish to a reddish uh, oval mass kind of right in the um, 
in the inside corner of the eye, and it can occur in one eye or both eyes. There are certain breeds that you can see it in, like Cocker Spaniels, Beagles, uh, and the brachycephalic breeds like Bulldogs, Boston Terriers, Pugs. Right. And um, it's usually in young dogs, usually less than two or three years of, old, of age. And it's not painful. I mean, it looks like it would be because there's this fleshy mass, you know, in the corner of your eye protruding. Uh, but, you know, the gland can, if it gets very large, it'll become uh, inflamed due to the ex- excessive exposure to the air and, and it may dry out. And uh, it can't even bleed. Um, so what we try to do, some of these, if they're very small, occasionally you can use an ophthalmic ointment that has a, a antibiotic and a corticosteroid and it'll reduce the the swelling enough to where it may go back to its normal position. But a lot of these stay out. And so the treatment is surgical correction uh, where we actually, you know, reposition that uh, that gland back down deeper behind the third eyelid. And, uh, you know, occasionally, uh, probably 90% of the time, you know, it's uh, it, it, it works. And then occasionally in certain breeds like bulldogs, I've had to go back in and, you know, re- replace them a second time just wow. for some reason they don't hold on. But Brandon, the veterinarian of choice of the Brandon Baxter in the morning radio program, Dr. Kevin Reed, Parker Road in Jonesboro at VetCare. And Dr. Reed, we appreciate uh, you taking the time with us as always. Hey, be good and don't eat any yellow snow. I uh, won't. Well, I've been trying to tell Kelly, but tell <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not lemon snow cream. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Kevin Reed from Vet Care on the K Fine Breakfast Club, powered by Families Inc. Brandon Baxter in the morning. Hey, we appreciate you listening to us. As we've said throughout the show, today's podcast is pretty strong, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of great guests. You can always check out the podcast for anything you miss. It's the Brandon Baxter in the Morning podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Google Play, iHeartRadio. It's on Spotify. You can even go to your Alexa device and just say, Alexa, play the Brandon Baxter in the Morning podcast. And when you download it, you can see us. Yes. Our faces. Yeah. It's new artwork. So anyway, check out the podcast. We appreciate that and uh, you know, love your feedback. Anyway, Kelly Perry, what's on TV tonight? Back-to-back episodes of Name That Tune, the second season finale of For Life, the fourth season premiere of Snowfall, and tonight also includes Riverdale and Nancy Drew. All right, hope you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you back here tomorrow morning on Brandon Baxter in the Morning.